This is Monique John, and you're listening to the third episode of Cuckling, a blog and podcast drama telling the story of the disastrous relationship I became ensnared in while reporting on Liberia's 2017 presidential election in Monrovia. If you haven't already, make sure to listen to the introduction and past episodes of the show to catch up on thecorrespondent.com, iTunes, and SoundCloud. On my site, The Correspondent, you can find the blog post of the series, original photos reenacting the story, links to the Cut Queen podcast, and the Cut Queen soundtrack. The link is in the podcast show notes. The last time on Cut Queen, I was adjusting to life in Liberia, and I unexpectedly fell for the charm of a shabby yet seemingly sweet man named Boris, and became his girlfriend. Then things went sour when I began losing interest in the bedroom, and found out that Boris was being unfaithful. Today you'll learn how I discovered my ex-boyfriend was cheating, and the gory details of how I went apeshit when the news broke. This is Cuckween, Episode 3, Things Fall Apart. I already knew who she was when I saw her name pop up on his phone. I'd heard that Boris had been speaking to his ex-girlfriend, Camilla. It was said that he seemingly wasn't being transparent with her about the fact that he had seriously been seeing a new woman. Between my own conceit and the fact that I already had doubts over whether I actually wanted to continue dating Boris, I wasn't too concerned with the possibility that he'd been cheating on me. Plus, as someone who has falsely been accused of lusting after another woman's husband in the past, I thought it best to ignore any rumors of infidelity in my relationship and trust my partner. Despite this, I couldn't shake my suspicions that Boris was being unfaithful when I was in New York because of his bizarre disappearing acts. I was also curious to see how this other woman and Boris would respond if I intervened. The responses were the ones I had been dreading the entire time. Boris was washing up. I was in the bedroom, getting dressed for the party that we were supposed to go to, when his phone rang on the coffee table. Hello? I said. Uh, who's this? Camilla asked, clearly confused to be hearing a woman's voice, not Boris's. This is Monique, Boris's girlfriend. Who's this? It was posed as a question, but it sounded a little more like a deer. This is Camilla, she said, unsure of herself. Can you put Boris on the phone? Boris is in the shower, I said. Oh, Camilla responded. Um, well, can you let him know that I called? Sure, I said. I told Boris who called for him as he showered. It annoyed me to see him act so natural in his response. We walked back from the bathroom into his bedroom together. As if straight out of a movie, my father called from New York to tell me that my grandmother had just been admitted to the hospital at the same time that Boris had called Camilla back. I strained to pay attention to my father as Camilla screamed at Boris like a banshee through the phone. How could you do this to me? She kept asking on the other line. How could you do this to me? When I got off the phone with my father, I took a moment to myself to breathe. My grandmother had been sick for a long time. I knew this could be the end, and it felt completely surreal to me that I would have to confront the fact that my boyfriend had been cheating on me at the same time that my grandmother was moving on to the next life without me, languishing in a hospital bed on the other side of an ocean. What was that? I said to Boris when he was finished. It wasn't really posed as a question but a command for him to confess. I heard that woman, and she sounded mighty upset. It's obvious to me that you've been lying to me and to her, and you need to come forward and explain what the hell this is all about. You owe her an apology, I remember saying to him. 
I don't remember his response to this because for a long time, he refused to say much. It must have taken an hour, maybe even two, of me angrily badgering Boris with questions about who this woman was and why she had called him before he finally admitted to being unfaithful. Every time I asked him a question, he became increasingly fearful and evasive, repeating my questions back to me or answering questions that had nothing to do with what I had inquired about. I still wish I had a recording of the exchange so I could rewrite it as a movie scene and get Angela Bassett to play me in the reenactment. I was eloquent in my rage, but I refused to be civilized. When Boris kept circumventing my questions, I threw his phone at a glass door, then I picked it up, walked onto his balcony naked, and threw it into a neighboring construction site. I spewed so many curse words that I actually started speaking French. His dodginess only made me angrier, and by the time he surrendered and mustered up enough remorse to give me an apology, I was too incensed to even hear him. His explanation of his relationship with the other woman only made things worse, as his description of Camilla was so insignificant and unflattering. She was accessible to him because he had dated her before, Boris said. He played up the fact that he became involved with her while she was still seeing someone else, as if to suggest that she was a low-down Jezebel with her own history of cheating to detract from the wrongful thing Boris had done. She wasn't someone who was worth the pain he had caused or the risk of losing me from the way he characterized her. At the party, I grinded so hard with his contemporaries I thought I might actually leave the dance floor pregnant. I kissed one of Boris's sexy friends on the lips, just outside of Boris's line of vision. And then once we returned home, I got physically abusive. When he defied my order to sleep on the couch, I kicked him in the gut and thrashed my arms in his face to get him off the bed. It was bad. I was amused by the insanity of my reaction, but I resented him for turning me into such a crazy bitch on Christmas. It was all too much at once. The cheating boyfriend, the health problems, the money problems... My anger was further compounded by my anxiety over my dying grandmother, who had been admitted to the hospital that night for what would be the last time. Simultaneously, this was all happening right before one of the most formative moments of my reporting career, and the entire reason why I had moved to Liberia, the country's presidential runoff on Boxing Day. It wasn't just that Boris had cheated on me. Boris's cheating was distracting and inconveniencing me at a time when I needed to be fully focused on revitalizing my career. It was that his cheating further destabilized my already fragile, insecure living situation in a foreign country where I had few friends and no family members to turn to or protect me. I was already questioning how much longer I wanted to freelance as an international journalist in a foreign country because of the problems I was dealing with from not having the steady, cushy paychecks I once had in New York. But now I had to contend with the psychological damage I had weathered from being so dependent on a toxic, unfaithful romantic partner that, and from being personally impacted by a culture whose attitudes towards sex, loyalty, candor, and treatment towards women went against everything I stood for. This was the pinnacle moment in my frustration with life in Liberia. It summed up all the things I disliked most about its culture. The pervasiveness of duplicity, the perverseness, the acceptance of abusing and disgracing women. On the streets of Monrovia, people generally assume I'm Liberian because I'm dark-skinned, I'm a black woman, and because I like to twist and braid my kinky hair in traditional African styles. But a part of me resented this assumption. I come from a proud, bougie, Guyanese family, so it's inherently annoying to hear anyone ignorantly lump me into a culture that is not my own. Yet, more saliently, 
My earliest months in Monrovia landed me in various tense, compromising, and at times dangerous situations with locals of various socioeconomic classes who made me feel alienated, confused, and unwelcome. Boris's cheating was just the latest and most painful incident of this. It was as if I had been initiated into a sorority I never signed up for. The sorority at the Jilted and Cuckweened. The sorority that brands unsuspecting girls with searing irons of dishonor and degradation to validate their ascendance to womanhood. Here my boyfriend was, consciously making the decision to betray me by doubly receiving sexual gratification elsewhere. This while I was repeatedly humiliating myself and subduing my sexual discomfort to appease him by giving him an intimacy that I didn't always want to give. I told you sex wasn't that easy for me. I was crying to Boris when I said this. I told you it hadn't been that easy for me. Ever since he forced me, I cried, referring to another man who had once date-raped me and seemingly made me sick. I did things I didn't want to do so that you wouldn't dispose of me. I did things I didn't want to do, and it still wasn't enough to make you happy. You've been listening to Cuckween a blog and podcast drama telling the story of the disastrous relationship I became ensnared in while reporting on Liberia's 2017 presidential election in Monrovia. Keep following the story here on the Cuckwing Podcast, on iTunes and SoundCloud, and thecorrespondent.com, where you can find the original blog series, the original photos reenacting scenes from the story, links to the podcast, and the Cuckwing soundtrack. The link to the site is in the podcast show notes. This is Monique John. Thanks for listening.